What did one of these coaches say to you way before you became who you are today that sticks in your brain, like from this day forward, like that winners never quit thing for me, or it takes one second to look up, and awareness. That was the one thing coach taught me when I got leveled one time, and I realized I never get leveled again. But um, what was one thing that, that a coach said to you that really still makes a big impact in your life? When I stop yelling at you is when you should start to worry. He is an incredibly powerful and influential speaker. He is the expert on persuasion and influence. Michael Burnoff. Michael Burnoff. So Michael Burnoff. Please welcome Michael Burnoff. Prepare to have your mind blown. Michael Burnoff. I always say all the time, you never know who you're going to meet. And I went, down, <laughs> I went next door for my like evaluation yeah. over at Neuroforce. And I went back, I went over there and I said, how am I doing? And then you and I like avoided my evaluation. We just hit it off in three seconds. It's that that bond that hockey players have. So I, I think they were a little annoyed with us. Yes. Because all of a sudden we were in our own, own little world. Yeah. yeah. It was like, bye. <laughs> I, I love it. I love nice it. to so, see you again. You too, my man. Pleasure. I wanted to pick your brain. I know as... Um, as typically as I'm listening to and I'm working with um, our clients and our students over the years, people are always asking me, like, how do you go get what you want in this world? And I just, I just got to ask a magic question, like, how do you, like, as a kid growing up, being around sports, you know, do you play sports the majority yep, of your life? played hockey no. my whole life. How'd you get into hockey? You know, it's funny, my dad was a traveling salesman for Revlon. My parents okay. didn't know hockey. You're a child of a salesperson? I, I couldn't Child of a salesperson. Right, right, yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah. In fact, my, you know, moving ahead a little bit, my dad was in between jobs and he had at one point, what's called the pooper scooper. Okay. It was one of the items he was... Like literally the, was pooper called scooper. the pooper scooper. I've heard of the pooper scooper. Yeah, he had it. Okay. So he had these little rubber poops, and he thought it'd be funny to throw it in elevators. And I mean, I used to take my teeth out back in the day and put it in people's drinks, but <laughs> he'd throw it around and he'd scoop it up. Anyway, my, my mom and dad didn't know hockey. My dad, a huge Pete Rose fan, watched yep. him at Crosley Field. Pre-gambling pre Pete Rose. Pre-gambling Pete okay. Rose. The baseball player. Not, the, not the one that the young kids think no. of as like, of that course. guy gets thrown out of baseball. The one, September the, 11th, 1985, yes. on a 2-1 pitch yes. from Eric Shaw. 100%. That guy. Yep. Four one nine two, which I got my dad too. May he rest in peace. But nice. greatest moment that I shared with my dad. So I played hockey, but the way that I got into it is my dad worked with a guy from Cheeseboro Ponds who actually played hockey at that school up north. You can tell I'm from Ohio. Yeah, yeah. And we just kicked their butt again. So the Buckeyes just rolled. So hardballs on thin ice. Anyway, he said, your kids should try hockey. I'm like, all right. How so old are you? I was five years old, six wow. years old. That's lucky you didn't get that at 10 like I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I also remember the first time I tried it, how difficult it was to get figure skates over a pair of shin pads. Okay. That's how little we knew about it. So you're, so you're, <laughs> you're, so you're, you're telling me you tell me you started hockey with figure skates? Just one day. Yeah, okay. One day. Yeah. It didn't work. It was really bad. Wow, then worked. the first pair of skates I had, teased? a little bit, yeah, I quickly it? changed to Derek Sanderson skates. Okay. They were Adidas, and there was no steel toe on them. But it was okay, because nobody could lift the puck at yeah. six years old. My first time I played, my mom faked my birth certificate because you had to be seven years old in Southfield, Michigan. And I started playing hockey and I just was very passionate about it. My family became very passionate about it. And Mr. Erickson was my coach pretty much my entire life. He and a guy named Ian Cushion, who was on the 1958 Montreal Canadian wow. Stanley Cup championship team. So you've been around professional I've been around the majority of your life? My whole life. And, okay. and Crash, Mr. Cushion, Coach Cushion, who at you know almost 80 years old, we're still very, very afraid of. So, so let me ask, let me ask you this. I, I got to ask you this question because this is, sounds so normal for you, but the majority of people get like Joe the coach yeah. or Mr. Robinson who is helping out and he's 
not to knock him, he's not in shape. He's never played professional sports in your life. So your whole life, you literally were surrounded by professional athletes helping you as an athlete, but that was like normal for you. It was normal. It was very normal. Because you know that's normal, right? I just no, want to I I help you really give you context here. Well, in, the majority of the people listening right sure. now, they've got kids that are five or six years old. They do not have that, and they themselves didn't have that. But you at five or six years old were surrounded by professional athletes. But didn't know it then. And, and didn't realize the significance okay. of it. You might not even and realize how it I would now. be pushed to the point in which I was pushed. And, and how they always talk about how sports is really life. Yep. And how the dedication of sports, the way you work, the way you recover from losses, the way that you treat winning, being humble, the way that you advance and become champions is the same thing you're trying to teach people all the yep. time. Same thing I'm trying to do in life. Yep. That same competitive nature. I've always said hockey, Michael, is in my DNA, which is why we hit it off next yes, door. It's like that instant, exactly. it's an instant thing. And because I, it's a special sport. I talk about it in the intro chapter of my book. I talk about hockey and people say, oh, you know, people don't relate to that, but the people that do. The people that Absolutely. understand competitive athletics or hockey, there's an instant like, like brotherhood, sistership of, of hockey that really brings, brings folks together. I had this coach, Coach Herms, when I was a kid. I remember like he slammed the locker room door and he put the thing on the wall. He said, winners never quit and quitters never win. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I remember him saying that, but like that drilled into my brain at such a young age. What, what was it that at, the, at a young age for you that somebody said, because our parents are typically role models, but I know coaches. Like I tell people all the time, like your kids are more with their teachers. They're like, you, you can love yeah. your kids all you want. You have them from five or six o'clock at night till they go to bed, whenever that is, older when they're a teenager, in a few hours in the morning if you're lucky, and then their friends in school and teachers and coaches have them all day. What did one of these coaches say to you way before you became who you are today that sticks in your brain like from this day forward, like that winners never quit thing for me, or it takes one second to look up, and awareness, that was the one thing coach taught me when I got leveled one time, and I realized I never get leveled again. But um, what was the one thing that, that a coach said to you that really still makes a big impact in your life? When I stop yelling at you, is when you should start to worry. Interesting, what did that mean to you? That I, meant I, I that he that. cared about me. He believed in me. He saw me as a leader on the team. He saw me as a guy who could lead the city of Cleveland and the state of Ohio in goal scoring. And that's why he was so hard on me. Each and Which every this? day. This was Ian Cushman. Crash, as okay. we called him. Who would come out with a straight stick, garden gloves, and occasionally <laughs> yell at us so much, Michael, that his teeth would go flying. His teeth would go flying, and he wouldn't stop yelling at us. He'd lean down, pick up his teeth, put them back in. Thank God we had you know, the cage back then, because we're laughing, but you could never laugh in front of Coach Kushner. But that's the way it is in life, and that's the way I'm sure you are when you engage with your clients. Yes. That's the way I am when I engage I'm with very young people. It's like, hey, if you want to be good at this, I am happy to help because you pass it on. I had people who believed in me, but if you're not gonna take it seriously, then I'm gonna move on to the guy or the girl who really wants it. And that's what Coach Kushner meant. So when I stop paying attention to you, when I stop being hard on you, when I stop trying to get everything I can get out of you, that's when you should get worried. Because that means I don't believe in you anymore. So that, it's, it's so interesting you said this, because I immediately go to ourselves. I immediately think, like, somebody said that to you, and you took it on, he was talking to you. Absolutely. But then that eventually became your internal voice, didn't it? Uh, there's it no became, question about You're it. yelling at yourself inside, you could do better, you could skate harder, you could push more. So his voice that you were around became your voice. Yes. And to this day in your head, that's why when you were talking earlier when we first got started about your little time off that you had, the five months, you wanted to go, you oh. wanted to push, you had his voice, your voice, 
inside of your head. This is why we have to be really careful who we surround ourselves why and why it's become parents. It's like, I understand now why my parents were like, don't hang out with that kid. Right. You know, don't hang out with that kid. You don't want to be with that kid. You definitely want to be with that kid. And they always wanted me to be with the one kid that I didn't want to be with. My parents always trying to push me to that one kid. But um, so so that was a big impact for you, that that voice inside of your head. Now, how did how did the transition happen? Because I, I find it fascinating. Like you you have been at the levels, whether you're giving yourself credit to or not, being on national TV. Being in the sports world, being on SportsCenter, being uh, in the NHL for how many years? Nine years, you said? Yeah, about 900 games. About 900 games. Like, I... Most people are happy. Like I get thrilled when I get I get tickets behind the bench, right? <laughs> and I we'd, we'd knock on and donor would uh, Shane Doan would talk to you know talk to Maya, my One daughter, of the nicest guys, nicest in, guys in the world. I see no him all the time at the it. rank. And yeah. Tyson, I know you know Tyson Absolutely. well. Tyson would like wave to us and you know stop us in the lounge, and that was big. Like we were on TV watching the game. You're yeah. on TV in people's houses in one of the biggest hockey markets in the world. How does that transition happen? How does somebody, because they could pick, I mean, how many people, like, how does somebody become in the sports arena? I know that's like the, one of these little paying jobs that if you want to even work for like an NHL team, here's $9. You can work your ass off forever. How does somebody go and, and get a profession like that? Like, did you have the voice in your head? Like, what, 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 how does that work? Eighth grade, I was also a singer and a performer. We go to Channel 8 in Cleveland, Ohio. You remember the old Jerry Lewis telethons? Yep. They would have the local acts. I went into Channel 8 and I got to sing with the group. It was quick, but then I got to watch them do the news. And I watched this sportscaster. And I saw the teleprompter and I saw the camera and I said, that's what I'm gonna do in life. And you I literally, literally said that. No, I did literally you know, said Did you have any, any idea that you were gonna do it? I knew I loved sports. No, but, but did I you know how idea the hell you were gonna do it? No, no. Because I, I said, that's what I'm gonna do. And I was very blessed that I knew at a very young age that this is what I wanted to do. And I only knew through hockey that I wanted to be the best. I didn't want to be an all-star. I didn't want to be a champ. I wanted to be an Olympian. And you know, if you set the level here and it comes anywhere here, you're still above most of the world. And I've been very blessed to be able to stay amongst the clouds, if you will, for a long time. But it's been my self-motivation. Some people over the years that have taught me how to prep, have taught me how to be a network guy, have taught me how to take it to a level that few cannot take it to. And I mean that very I humbly, want, but I that's some inside secrets, because that. that's yes. the type of stuff I want to figure out. Yes. So, so you get sat down. I remember even I talked to Tyson about this back yeah. when he first started. And he's like, hey, you want to take some communication classes, learn some stuff? We were just chatting about a few different things because he was new to it. He sure. came from a hockey sure. player, Absolutely. professional athlete, played for the Canucks, then played for, you know, he played for the Goats and yeah, everything. The Blues. Yeah. Blues. And, and, and what was interesting about it was he said that to me. What did they say to you? So if you were to give advice to somebody, because I don't think it's only about, advice can be used in every facet. Sure. Everything you learn in hockey can be used yeah. in every major facet of life. What did the network guys teach you that really helped you open up your, your game and took you to that level? Because it's easy to burn out in one year. First and foremost, it was about preparation. One of my heroes, Bill Clement. Okay. First of all, played sure. for the Flyers. I was born in 1964, 74-75 Broad Street Bulls. Yep. I was number 16, I was the captain, got my teeth knocked out, I was Bobby Clark. I literally, when I was younger than that, I went running into my mom's room one day, I was probably about 11 years old, I didn't know any better. I said, Mom, 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 how do I get diabetes? She's like, what? I go, Mom, how do I get diabetes? That's well, modeling. people know, Bobby Clark yes. is a diabetic. Yes. You know, Bobby Clark, Flynn Flan Manitoba. My yeah. first report was on So Perry you wanted diabetes because you wanted to be, I wanted to be like, like my hero. I didn't yeah. know anything about yeah. it. It's like, how do, mom, I cut, mom, how, do mom, I, how do I get it? How do I cut off one of my arms so yeah, I can be a good yeah. pitcher? Yeah. Seriously, I'm going to be this guy. Yeah. So I was Bobby Clark. I was number 16. So when I had the opportunity 
to work with Bill Clement at ESPN, first of all, I had made it to the network level. Secondly, I'd made it in the sport that I love. And then Billy took me under his wing, if you will, and he taught me a couple of things. First and foremost was preparation. He always said, when you think you're prepared, take another half hour. Read some more articles, look at some more game notes, study some more, and then put it aside. Because after that extra 30 minutes, you're just going to confuse yourself. And then you're going to try to jam stuff into the broadcast, and you're not going to let it breathe. Secondly, he said, be yourself. Don't be Pat Foley. Don't be Mike Emmerich. Don't try to be Gary Thorne, who was my favorite, because Thorne and Clement were my favorite of all time. And Sam Rosen. He, yeah, Sam. Well, of course, you're yeah. a New Yorker. Yeah. Marty Brenneman, yeah. Cincinnati kid. You know, I grew up listening to Marty Brenneman. Yeah. And this one belongs to the Reds. Yep. So, you know, that was my dad sitting there back with great memories. But I always remember him saying, develop your own style. Yes, look at people you admire and take a little bit of this and mix in a little bit of that. Watch some greats that maybe they do things that don't work for you and avoid those. But first of all, be prepared as well as you can be. It's much like any athlete, much like anybody, any executive who's going to give a big presentation. It's not the presentation that is the work. It's working up to the presentation that is the preparation that makes the presentation successful, that makes it meaningful, that makes it move people and move the gauge and makes it great communication, as you know. And those are the two things to Good this day. The hey, there you go. It, there you go. I'm in. I'm in. See, I'm going to have initials and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get it I'm going to have a cool logo when I come time, back. Right? You'll, you'll have the, M you'll yeah. have the MG, on, the, MG on the screen. Wait, yeah. that's going to we'll be cool. We'll get yeah. you an MG made next I like time. it. I like yeah, it. Make it work. Absolutely. So that's what it was from Bill. Preparation. Absolutely. And um, and then to be your best, there was a third thing you said. There was a third, if you can remember. Preparation, be yourself. Be yourself. Was be there a third yourself. one? Um, if not, I've, I've always been self-motivated to be the best I could. Okay. To try to be the best in the world. So so you're, you're on your... And now I'm in a platform in which I can display my motivation and my drive to do so. Absolutely. Because I've worked many, many years and done a lot of high school swimming and diving and track and field and minor league baseball and always treated it the same way as I would treat a game seven because Michael you're going to watch that tape in ninth grade when you won the state championship in hockey yep. every Christmas with your parents yep. so I need to get it right even though you're a ninth grader I need to still get that event right because that's going to last in your mind and your parents and your grandparents forever and ever and ever so I studied for those events the same way I study for events today to be so it's all no about being your what best. the environment is, no matter it. what, because it impacts other people. That's it. Control so, what you can control. So day one, you're uh, you get called up. You you did the Sports Center. Yeah. Uh, you're doing media coverage. You're doing a bunch of different things. You're more behind behind the scenes. Then you get put up announcing. Tell me what first game is like. What you feels like? Because I know you're a confident guy, but I I just and and I want the truth. I mean, if you're like it was no big deal. I've been prepped for it. I've been doing it my whole life. Because I want to backtrack real quick. A lot of times, kids. This day and age, I always said if I could do high school over again, I would have done debate. I would have yeah. done debate and I would have done the speaking and I would have taken the public speaking class because later in life, debating, negotiation, public speaking, huge skills. But as kids, that was what the athletes didn't do that stuff. Right. Now I wish I would have done that. They'll help with YouTube and everything else. So any kids watching, debate, stuff like that. It's years after you've done singing, you've done your dancing, you're singing, all the stuff, you're dancing, or did I make that up? Yeah, I kind of. Okay, kind of yeah, dancing, okay. Kind of, you know, and you're parachute in- Parachute pants. Parachute, you know, did you yeah, have those too? Cavariches? For sure. You Cavariches? Yeah. Oh, can't touch you. Can't, oh, that's great. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're, um, your first game, first first big game, big national network, what'd that feel like? What was the, what was the feeling be pre-game, your prep work? Any scarier, any harder? And, and it didn't have to be. No, achievement. Achievement, excitement. What does that feel like, achievement to you? 
then it was all worth it. That my belief in myself, starting in eighth grade, that every day that. I said for myself, I'm going to do that. And people who believed in me over the years. I remember I used to do the weather. WMUB, Miami University. The weather in the WMUB listening area. Yeah, yeah, Oxford, Ohio. And I was on for 30 seconds. And everybody in the dorm would turn on their little transistor radio to 88.5 for my 30 seconds. It's a snow radio. day today. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be ugly out today. Well, of course it is. I live in Ohio. You yeah. know, you know chance of snow and That's rain. my wife's from Ohio. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you understand. OH, yeah. we already got into oh, that, yeah. though. Although I may talk about beating that team up north a couple more times. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong it's, with that. It's not even rivalry anymore, but, you know, that's right. for another to time. Totally, that's totally get it. So, so you're Woody, saying... Woody is smiling right now. So it was, a rival. It was everything. It was a rival. It was way back until we started beating them all the time. Got I mean, rivalry is a team that beats you once in a while. Yeah. I don't want to jinx, you know, the Buckeyes for the next couple of years. I get it. When you're putting up 50 on them in back-to-back -back years... So you're passionate about all sports? I am, I am. Yeah. But I'm most passionate about hockey. I mean, there's these sports, and then there's hockey. But back in the day, you know, pre-ESPN, my biggest job, my biggest opportunity was being the sideline reporter for the Chicago Bulls. How long did you do that for? I did it from 88, so I watched the bad boys better themselves, get past the Celtics. This is like Nike getting yeah, big back absolutely. then. This, this is Jordan. This is, this this is Mike is... putting Nike on the map. Wow. You, know? and you were there for that. I was there. So again, you're surrounded by the greatest. I am. You got the greatest Mike coach. overcome yep. some of the greatest, who just overcame some of the greatest. in those Pistons teams that overcame Larry Bird and those great Celtics teams, who thus, then in the Eastern Conference, the Bulls were finally able to beat. And then Michael got his first three, went to play baseball, came back and got three more. Did you see? Um, did you see the natural progression? Like, and the reason I'm saying that you're eighth grade. Yeah. You do, were you able to through? My parents taught me hard work. My parents taught me, you know, dedication. You know, stick it out. Did you see? Hey, I'm gonna go do that. And then now you're like doing sideline reporting, which is nobody sees you. Does that make sense? You kind of get a couple of VIP passes, and you're excited about a few things going on. Did you see the natural progression through? All the way through to um, one day I'm going to be, you know, one of the most famous announcers in the world when it comes to UFC and everything. Did you see that or how did that work? I never thought of it as, as fame or celebrity or notoriety. I felt it as achievement. It was always okay. achievement. I, I've the, always been self-driven. What's the self difference? Driven. difference you, what does achievement look like to you? Like feel like, sound like? The reason is everyone's got their own for sure. desire for that. Like what does that mean to you? To be amongst the best in the world to truly be amongst the best in the world and to push myself to that point, to prepare myself to that point. Now, I'm in a business, you're in a business, but especially I am in front of the camera where it's 100% subjective. Some people like ketchup, some people like mustard. Which one are you? I don't know, depends on who's watching. Got it. Right? Depends on who's watching. There, Bob Costas is one of the greatest of all time. There's as many people who hated Bob Costas as, as liked him. Joe Buck gets as much hate mail as he gets love mail. How do you, and to me, he's how do you the greatest. Deal with, how do you deal with that? I you, didn't you, deal with it well at first. Okay, let's talk about I that didn't for a minute. Because we, well we have, I have Especially when social media That's what I was about to ask you. So yeah. if we go back to the old days, you, it would take fan mail. Yeah. So it was almost like Mill Avenue back in the day went to ASU, Arizona State. Yeah. And um, they used to have a law on Mill Avenue that you couldn't park on Mill Avenue on the weekends. And I couldn't figure out why. Well, the reason is there's a, this is a state where guns are allowed. So you'd have to go walk to your car about a mile, get drunk, Get pissed, walk about a mile, go get your gun, come back. By the time you came back, you're in you, Canada, you, drunk you're, and you're, pissed are the you're, same you're thing. You're cool. Does yeah. that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. you're cool. So the the reason the reason I bring that up is 
back in the old days, someone would have to go find the number for the network, write right. a letter. It was weeks after you did something silly online, said something you shouldn't have. It was a different thing. Now it's instant. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Because you're strong, you're confident, you know what's going on. This is something big for people. Because I have clients that avoid making videos. I have clients that avoid making their books, avoid putting stuff online. How did you deal with that to start with when you started putting a post? I want, I want to, let, let's go there. Not very well. Okay. Not what is, very what does well that mean? Not very well. Because, well, first off, let's go back to, like you said, it takes a long time to sit down and write a letter. Yep. Not many people do. They'll do it more if they're mad than if they're in a good mood. Yep. But there are very few people in this world who have the guts, who have the balls to come up to your face and say, you know what, dude, I think you suck. Yep. I think you're the worst announcer in the history of life. You, you, you should have never. No. Okay. I really haven't. I've had people say, I can organize that it. better. I can hire well, somebody. you know, you did. Yeah, yeah. You did. But honestly, I've, I've never had somebody do that, nor have I done that to somebody. Yep. You know, that's, that's not my business. I can walk up and be constructive to someone who's asked me to critique their work. And I've always said, Michael, if, if I'm not honest with them, then I'm wasting their time and I'm sending them down a path where they won't have success. Because yep. if I tell you, oh, you're great, you're doing everything perfect, when I know deep in my heart that you're not, what good am I doing to you? I'm lying to you. And if you keep doing it that way, it doesn't mean you won't have success. But I know in my heart that I haven't sent you the right way. Well, now Twitter comes out. At first, Twitter was off. Awesome. That wasn't out when you were doing that hockey, oh, was it? Oh, Well, uh, no. Okay. No, so no. now it was out you're, more you're in with UFC, the MMA world. MMA UFC, world, yeah. Bellator. So. And, and the UFC was, I believe, the first major sports entity to really utilize social media in a positive way yep. to get their message to the world. Yep. And it was an inexpensive way to get your message to the world. So they caught on the wave of social media and used it to the fullest. At first, I would literally take an hour a night and answer every tweet. And you know what everybody would say? Oh my God, Mike Goldberg just answered my tweet. Like Mike, Mike Goldberg talked to me. It, you know, when you're on TV, you're in somebody's living room. Yeah. I used to always joke, I'm in more women's bedrooms every night at 11 o'clock than anybody else in the world. Might've been little Sarasota, but in the yeah. network, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I don't know if the husband's like, but this yeah. is, yeah. you know, we used to joke about that. But when you enter somebody's house, you don't realize the effect of that when you're back on the camera doing what you love, but you are coming into somebody's home when you're on television. Might be bars and that I too, think it's the but same you with really the, are same with the internet with YouTube these days. There's I no mean, question. Literally, you could be in someone's house. Even more so because that person has truly chosen to go to YouTube and find you and watch you. So it's a little bit more of an effort. Then social media got toxic and I got defensive. I remember one night, I was going off on Twitter. I'd had a couple cocktails after what I thought was a great UFC. My daughter was about 14 years old and she calls me. It's like two in the morning in Vegas. So I don't know if, if she was here in Phoenix, maybe it was three. In the, anyway, it was late. She goes, dad, why are you being such an asshole? I go, what are you talking? She's 14. Keep this in mind. She goes, is your password still the same on Twitter? I go, yeah. She goes, okay, love unite. And she literally, Michael, went into my Twitter account, started deleting things. She's like, Dad, you got to stop engaging with these idiots. Why are you doing this? You're fueling their fire. You're motivating them to come at you more. Not just that person, but everybody else. They just want to get a reaction. Because now all of a sudden, they're a star. Mike Goldberg just told me to F off. Mike Goldberg, did it. Mike Goldberg answered my tweet, so positive or negative. Them be a hero. Absolutely. I've given them a platform because they've jumped on me and my followers 
and I've reacted. But what happens yeah. with that is you wind up just instigating them. You give them what time. they wanted. They want to feel famous. They want to Absolutely. feel important. All those people want to just be loved. That's it. So they'll take it any way they can. Put on a headset. You, send your tape in. You brought, you brought up an, an interesting point, and this is, this is fascinating. So we want to, the way the world is today, it's a totally different place. And I believe that most people are not willing to understand what it takes to be great at what they do. They're not willing to go through what you went through. They do not want to be criticized. They do not want coach, whoever you had back in the day, to tell you, oh, coach, no they, they, if, if they got yelled at once, it would be too much. Like I have to like prep people to actually have a real conversation with them. And my fascinating, but the fascinating thing about what, what you're saying is that most people think they can be great at things. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges. I do believe they can be great, but they're not deciding to be great. They could be great in their delusion. And I think this is one of the biggest problems out there. It's like they don't they shy away from things, so it's easier to pretend in your head that you could be good at something. So here's Joey Rockstar 19 from Sarasota sending you a message saying I could be better than you. And it's better for his delusion that he could be better than you to him actually put play pay the dues, do the work and you know, go back in time and go do dancing, singing, wear parachute pants to MC Hammer. Okay, whatever, whatever it takes to do. So, so how do we? How do you get this out there? Because what you do and how you live, uh, it's a dying breed. Yeah. Um, there, we we are not coaching our kids the same way that you and I were coached. No question. I mean, I got to ask you. I mean, did you coach? You said you some place hockey. Did you coach them the same way? The whole time. I didn't did even you, coach them. Okay, I, but did you? Wouldn't you, listen to. You wouldn't listen. Okay, so your coach, you listened. I was an assistant. You what's you that? Know, I was the assistant. But I ran you, the but, forwards, but he was the one forward. I didn't really talk too much. He was our captain, but he was accountable to the head coach. Got it. He would have been a lot smarter to deal with me. On a daily basis. So we deal with, and you mentioned the word voice earlier, it's one thing we talked about originally right. when we came in, is we as human beings use our voice and things we're comfortable with. Like Joe is just genius. Do you know what I'm saying? He knows no He knows it. he will beat you in a conversation yep. every which way and you know it doesn't matter. That's like I always tell everybody, you don't want to argue with me. It's just, you're not going to win. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Yep. At, least, at least maybe a physical altercation would be a different story, but when it comes to an argument, you don't want to get into it. So he knows how to use that. When you're phenomenal at things, voicing how you are with them is very, very easy to do. It's the challenging thing like raising children and speaking up with them. It's a challenging thing like dealing with Twitter. It's the challenging thing like getting this next level that you're, you're, you're after in your life and what it is that you want to achieve for yourself that we're less comfortable with where our voice goes from big and bold and, and, and strong to less comfortable. So have you ever seen that correlation? Like you're a guy, I was, I saw you, I'm like, dude, you're the voice. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You are, you are speaking outwardly what you're feeling inwardly. And the second that that lowers and you feel like your voice is not on, I don't think this is just you. It's me. It's you. It's all human beings. And it goes down a bit. We're in our voice cracks a little bit. We're in things we're less comfortable with. And we want to go back to where our voice is stronger and more powerful. And it could be in bad shit. It could be in stuff that we're, you know, we're really great at just getting wasted all the time. We're really great at um, being a loser. We're really great at, um, at, at playing line two at things instead of actually going for what we want. Right. So this dies with you unless we find a way to revitalize something. Like we were talking about earlier, like the Jimmy Hoffa movie with the Teamsters, how the world used to be, sure. how tough people used to be and how strong. Where do, you, where do you see the world right now if people don't start speaking up and this starts shifting? I mean, do you, do you think this whole idea, I mean, it's a changing conversation right now, but this way that you grew up would built you. I, I could lay the whole timeline down. 
Five years old, hockey, you got that coach. Yep. You're surrounded by stuff like great people all the time. It was normal for you. You're around great things, Ohio, right? You yep. got Don King, Ohio. Does that make sense? Like him, yeah, hate absolutely. him, Ohio. Does yeah. that make sense? You got Pete Rose. You got all these people. Boom, 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 boom. Everything. Then you're around Jordan. You're around Pippen. Then you're around um, Iserman. Does yep. that make sense? Absolutely. All the way up. And then you're around um, who are the greatest uh, UFC fighters in the world. You're around them. Anderson, uh, all, BJ, all of them. Jones. And, yeah, you know, Go, all of them. GSP, the, the original guys. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? The, the true. Pioneers, pioneers and of the, the true sport. first grades who will always be amongst the greatest. How do people that can't get around that create that for themselves? And how do we, as parents, as adults, recognize that we got a chance to be those indicators for people? Because not everybody gets to be around greatness all the time. I was blessed to be able to take the right thing. You got double blessed, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have. And, and keep in mind, I'm not sitting here pounding my chest no. saying that. I'm great. I'm saying this was my goal. Proximity. Correct. Yes. This was my goal, to be amongst yes. the best, to be amongst the elite. That yes. doesn't mean that everybody needs to think I'm great, because yep. according to social media and a lot of people, I I'm going to look up those posts. You know, so, yeah. Get your daughter yeah, on the phone and we'll figure out how many times she yeah. closes your account down. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's an actress, aspiring actress who's as driven as I am. Did you, teach, did you teach her especially. the same thing? No. Did you, That's no, the beautiful no, thing. No, but she saw you. Did, yes, I did. She yes. was around yeah. as a young kid. Like, yeah. you're at holiday parties with Tiger Woods. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're running into these people. Haven't had that one yet, but I What's that? Well, you know, yeah. I'm just putting it out yeah. there to the world. That yeah. would be not a bad thing, right? No, not at all. I hope your golf game. No, for yeah. sure. <laughs> you had a happy Gilmore swing? I, I've tried it. Yeah, I've tried it. I get it. So, it was such a great movie at first, but the more you watch it, the dumber it is. It was great back in the day. I'm yeah. going to make me not watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a Bruins jersey. But that's okay because I had the Derek Sanderson skates. But the Bruins, that's another, that's another whole, uh, it is. it's another dynasty back it in the day. Is. So back to, so what do we do with, how did you as a parent use those same skills? Even though you didn't really voice it out loud, how did you wind up with a child that your, your son played hockey at a high yep. level? Absolutely. Okay. And um, your daughter's on her way to be an actress? Yep. Um, how'd you do that? By example. Okay, what is example? Well, 100% example. They would see me in my office, which if I could circle back, Michael, much like you said, I would have come out of my office a lot more and I would have read that book. Not that I wasn't with my kids, because I was constantly. And that is the most important job that God has ever given me and that's the most important job that I will take with me until the day I die. And that is being a parent. That is Kiara and Cole, my daughter yep. and my son. Yep. Bar none, forget How old it. are they now? Forget it, 22 and 19. That's awesome. Everything else, forget it. Yep. Cole's a sophomore at ASU in sports business. So going along the same genre, yep. doesn't really want to be on the air, which is fine, but wants to be very great at what he's doing. Already working for the Coyotes, working with their- oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, Little Hollers program, yeah, already nice. passing it on. And Kiara, she was eight or nine years old, Michael, and she walked into the room, she just played t-ball, and she was a pretty good little athlete. She walked into my room in front of Kim, my ex, and I, and she goes, here's the deal. Mom, Dad, I don't play sports. I sing, I act, and I dance. And she turned around, and she wiggled her little butt, and she walked away. And Kim and I looked at each other, and we're like, okay. That's what she's done yep. since that, that was day. her voice. That was it. Awatuki Children's yep. Theater. Focused. Knew what she wanted. Basically was leaving the house in 10th grade, homeschooling to go to L.A. one week each month God. to work on her craft. She was me without me doing anything, but she saw how I did things. So going back to, I would have left my office more often if I had to do it over again, but I always sat in my office preparing in the back of my mind saying, I am doing this for them. So being your best, this goes back to your three rules. 
about be your best, be yourself. Does that make sense? Yep. So basically, these rules will follow you your entire no life. No question. And be prepared. And be prepared. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. I was preparing so that I could feel comfortable being my best and obviously be prepared and be comfortable and entertain. So if you would have left your office and been there more for your kids, you wouldn't have been being you? No. I'm too OCD. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be you. They would have got, they would have I would have gone back. You, you would have, you, but you would have been you being, you being what you think you're supposed to be doing versus Correct. what you really needed to do and it worked out. How many times have people asked you before a big presentation, do you get nervous? All the time. All the time. Do you? Um, I get ready. Correct. I wouldn't call it nervous. I get, I get my little, I have my process. Yep. I get, I do my thing. Do you remember? I do my thing, get pissed off, get excited. Yep. Whatever I need to do, move 15 different things, get everything set up the way I need it to do. But I get a process for it. Well, why aren't um, you nervous? Because that's who I am. But why aren't you nervous? Because I'm prepared and I'm ready. Bingo. And, and my preparation isn't always the same at other people's. Like, I don't sit there going over notes. Right. My preparation is a radically different thing. Like, I don't think I've ever covered this publicly, but my preparation is... My preparation, I even have a hockey preparation the night before a game. I mean, I have hockey preparation laying out my equipment, laying it, sitting in my bag the night before. Like, I, I know if too. I don't set my bag, it doesn't work right. Yeah. Then um, as a kid, I would, um, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd flatten out my hair because I didn't want it all with the crap in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. If an early game, yeah. me out the night before. But my preparation for being on stage is, it's interesting you bring this up, is, is very simple. Like, I literally had to work myself up to get, like, almost like, like, just, fucking crazy, anxious, and, and, and happy to calm myself down, to go where I need to do, to do what I need to do. And I love interaction. And that's the one thing is like, I, I, I look at things and, I, and I'm gonna ask you some questions about video in a minute, but my preparation is very, very specific. And it, it's the same every single time. It's literally getting myself in the state that I need to be in to be my best. And if somebody else did my version of preparation, it wouldn't work because that's my preparation that I do and everyone needs to figure out what theirs is. So you just answered the question that you had earlier asked me yep. perfectly. You just said more eloquently what I would tell you when people come up to me and ask me, do I get nervous? No, I get excited. I know I'm not tricking anybody, Michael. I, I'm not trying to fool anybody. I've put in the work. People said I asked dumb questions to show. No. I'm the quarterback. I'm, I'm happy being Jake DeLome and having my Super Bowl ring. And I'm happy with Joe being T.O. or Randy Moss. He can be that renegade guy. I understand that Joe's the star. And so there were times where you, you produce, you, you write in reverse. You prepare in reverse. And I throw stuff out to Joe or Big John McCarthy as it is now at Bellator that I know I can answer myself. But nobody wants to hear it from Jim Nance. They want to hear it from Paul Azinger. Nobody wants to hear it from Pat Summerall. They want to hear it from John Madden. Nobody wants to hear it from Joe Buck. They want to hear it from Troy Aikman. Yep. Or they want to hear it from Tony Romo. Because yep. those guys lived it. So when I threw out some of those questions, and people were like, he's been doing this for how many years, and he doesn't know that. Of course I knew it. But I'm not the star. Joe's the star. You're letting them be the star. Absolutely. I'm not letting him. That's my assignment. Yep. I'm putting him on the platform to be Joe. And one of the greatest compliments Joe ever gave me I had a... Uh, was Joe Rogan? Yeah. I had a wild game. I was working with the Wild, the Minnesota Wild, and the UFC, and we were in the playoffs in 2003. You were double-dipping that I year. Was double I did a lot of double-dipping yeah. for a long time, and there was a playoff game that I could not miss. I knew that I had to stay with the team because it was the playoffs and not have that night be a UFC night. And Joe actually did play-by-play -play in Miami. And Phil Baroni, Phil Baroni, oh, the New York badass, yeah was his color commentator. And Joe came to me the next show and he goes, don't ever do that to me again. 
ever. Because all of a sudden, now he's got five, four, three, two. All right, we're coming back with item 143. He's got the plays on his arm. He doesn't want the plays on his arm. Who does want the plays on their arm? Who wants to be responsible? I'm cool with it. I'm motivated by it. Joe just wants to get open. And that's great, too, because when I get him the ball, he does spectacular things via Randy Moss to you. And I use those guys because Joe's always had that renegade personality. But he's also a superstar at a different level than most in the world. And I was smart enough to recognize that. So, again, I'm happy being Jake DeLome. I'm happy handing the ball off to him. So that's how I looked at it, is I had to keep my ego in check, get it to the right person, but it did mean that I wasn't ready, I wasn't educated, or I didn't know the sport. I knew it enough to broadcast in reverse, if you will, to set my partner up to be the star. And before that, it might have been Greg Kelser on Big Ten Basketball, you know, for Raycom. So you're the real captain then. And that's what most people are. That's exactly that. right. Mark Messi up there. And one that's of the what, greatest leaders One of ever. the greatest, uh, the biggest thing they said about him is he was more excited when Gretzky or Curry got a, when they got an actual award, when yep. they hit their markers, than he actually ever was, uh, when he actually ever was when he succeeded at something. So it's like great people. A guy said to me the other day, Scott Patrick, Patrick in Tempo, give a shout out to my man. He is like the godfather of the chiropractic industry. And he said, great people don't do great things. Great people surround themselves surround themselves by people that are already doing great things. I know he said, right. I'm, not, I'm giving him credit for telling me. I know it was quoted by somebody else, but he's the one that told me we were at dinner the other night. And I thought about that. It's like, how many people want to do it all themselves? Real greatness comes from letting people do their things. That's, like, yeah. you, you let Jordan do his thing out there. You let uh, Madonna do his thing out there. You let... Um, you let all Iserman do his thing out there. You let these UFC fighters do their things out there, and you do your thing. And that's what I think a lot of times people have to recognize that like every job is available in this world, whether you're gonna be the garbage man, the doctor, the lawyer, the man holding spear in the corner, um, you know, guy, guy mopping the ring, Mickey, whatever it is from Rocky, everything's available. The question is, which job do you want? Right. You just picked the one you were looking for. That's exactly so right. So you, you actually work on making people better. I do, you, I you, do. You, you're the voice behind what people hear. Like there, there's moments that you share that live in people's lives forever. They, um, we were the deliverers of this sport that nobody knew about around the world, this renegade sport that became mainstream. When did you start with UFC? 1997. Okay. December so, 21st, 1997. When, so about when did it was the brothers and everybody Japan. start putting that together? When did the... They came in in 2001. Okay. So I was with the old company for about four years. Wow. So you were when with... When Senator McCain was basically shutting it down. They were saying And when he said is, it was human yeah. cockfighting, Senator McCain was yep. 100% right. It was wrong back then. There's no, they, they it wasn't wrong. wrong. They, it wasn't wrong. It was different. It was brutal. It was what it was. It wasn't wrong. Wrong's it the, just wasn't yes. something that was going to be accepted as mainstream. Yes. Seeing somebody get kicked in the face and bleed all over a cage was not something that people would be comfortable with. Well, nowadays, I watch all over YouTube. The world's changed. Correct. That's not 1997. Correct. So you, let, let's, let's visit. Let, not let, let, let's visit this for a minute. This is, this is big. So you got something that you're in charge of promoting, basically, right. that the world doesn't want but does want. This is like every business owner's dilemma. Have you looked yeah, at it this way? Absolutely. Like literally, okay, go sell shit. People want but don't realize they want, that they need, that the world doesn't let us have, that we don't know we're allowed to sell. How did you wake up in the morning and promote that? Even though it was exciting, like, like that's, that's odd. I mean, that's not like you leave a, a nationally televised NHL, correct, yep. to do this. Correct. How do you, it's like starting over. Right. With 
it's like I always look at hockey. I'm like, how did somebody come up with that crazy idea of playing hockey <laughs> skate? It's like, how did you convince yourself every day to promote something that 99% of the people were tell you is not correct? That's why I used the word wrong, and you had to defend yourself. Right. But how how does somebody? How did you? get yourself to actually get out there and promote this thing that the world did not understand because boxing's hot and Absolutely. sexy and all the great looking and people a lot show more up dangerous and than dangerous than martial arts. yeah yeah totally and mike tyson is just you know biting people's ears and doing all that cra crazy stuff out there and don king's making 10 billion dollars on this and then you got this little teeny sport with a cage yep and a school bus dropping people off and getting and fighters in there that have no rules right talked about that first of all there were always rules I get it. The world, I know. The world didn't know Correct. the rules. Correct. Here's it's like crap, what made me table. Everybody avoids it because they don't know the rules. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I just know something about seven. I'm not sure what it yep. means. I don't know if it's good or bad. That's why I don't <laughs> play craps. You know, everybody said, you, yep. you gamble a lot. I go, yep. every time I go to Vegas, I make money because yep. I'm doing a UFC. Yep. Why do I want to give it back? Yep. There's a reason these buildings yep. are beautiful. The reason that I was able to accept it was actually, I find most mixed martial artists to have a very similar unselfish DNA to a hockey player. The big difference is they are doing it on their own. At the end of the day, he's here, he's here, there's a referee, and a cage door shuts. But what I saw immediately, Michael, was the integrity of the athlete. The wrestler, who most times, if, if they got into college and won a national championship or they were an All-American, that was it. They weren't going on to a multi-million dollar contract like a great baseball player, yep. or football player, basketball player. They were so hard they were done. They sweat themselves. They ran the, around in garbage bags yeah, garbage back bags. in our day. I remember garbage bag with a with a bike in a um, in a sauna. Yeah, just to make cut and Absolutely. not eat for a week. No question about. Yeah, Chip it. was a wrestler. Yeah, there you go. And wrestled probably at about eighty six pounds, eighty four. But that's my point. Who gave notoriety to that? That was good announcement. Nobody, nobody. Who gave notoriety to that? Nobody. What do they teach you in martial arts? Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, respect for your opponent. Yes. Yes, we battle, but we're battling in a competition. Yes. We're not we looking to really afterwards. Absolutely. There's a huge respect. So now you have the martial arts angle of it, and you have the wrestling angle of it, and you start to pull that together. Jiu-Jitsu is a martial art. So I saw the beauty of the respect that these athletes had. I didn't look at it as a street fight. Even though Tank Abbott came in and said, you know, on his bio, I'm 245 and 5 in street fights. And we had those personalities. You don't see any street fighters in there anymore. You see guys who kick your ass on the street. But like Rich Franklin said years ago, doctors don't do surgery in the middle of the street. Why would I fight in a bar? Yeah. Why? And everybody wants to fight an uh, ultimate fighter, which really isn't what they are. They're a mixed martial artist. But everybody wants to take on that guy. How many people wanted to, you know, Shane Doan? Sure, a lot of people would want to take him on. But who doesn't want to fight, fight a guy him. like, no, I wouldn't either. Tied on me. Brad Norton. Who yeah. wouldn't want to fight a guy like George LaRock back yeah. in the day? Oh, I can take him. I can take on Gino Ojek. Like, that would be a really dumb decision. Yeah. But a couple beers make us all very confident, if you will. It makes yeah. us tougher than we really are. And most times makes us, you know, makes us make a lot of stupid decisions. So, you, so you that's, that's what I saw right away. You respected what they were doing. Absolutely. And you 100%. saw a winner? For sure. And my partner was Olympic gold medalist Jeff Blatnick. Got cancer it. survivor. Again, you went to 1988. So you Boom. got a partner. With the ultimate winner of, who survived and overcame cancer. Beat and won cancer, a gold medal gold medal. in 1988. So you're around it one more time. 
Absolutely. So the biggest thing in life as, as like a human being I'm getting from all of this is, is get around great quality people. Like I, I have masterminds around the right kind of people. I'm over there at a gym, which is not a cheap date. Does yep. that make sense? Great people, one of the best gyms in the world. Blows my yourself. mind. Amazing, no amazing what they do, yep. NeuroForce One. And what's, what's fascinating is you get around the right environment, you get around the right kind of people. So you're with a winner again it's easier to look at this project is what you had and, and you got up every single day and you wanted to be the best and you helped elevate a sport for sure for that was nothing and there was only one way going back to what we talked about earlier high school swimming and diving yep. eighth grade there's only one way i knew how to do it and that was to the best of my ability energy and enthusiasm sell the product believe in the product tell the stories give the background and share the competition and educate the audience around the world on what this really was. This was about a true athlete who now was becoming multidisciplined in his fighting and combative abilities. It used to be the wrestler who learned a little bit of boxing, but he yep. utilized his wrestling. Yep. That was what the UFC yep. was back yep. in the day. It was jiu-jitsu against judo. It was boxing against... It wasn't now Michael against Krav, Michael. You the Krav Maga guy with the jiu-jitsu. Absolutely. That did judo, that did karate, that knows yeah. how to do yeah. um, kempo. Correct. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And oh, oh, by the way, the yoga. Gracies were part yeah. owners way back when. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of Gracie academies Interesting, around the world now. So they yeah. saw the big picture, didn't they? Uh, there's no question yeah. about it. And, and every one of them was a champion. No question. Yeah. And they still are. Yeah. I mean, to see the lineage Boys, of these Gracies. All those yeah. guys. I mean, what Hoist was doing to guys 40, 50 pounds bigger than them was crazy. Ken Shamrock's beating the shit out of them. I was like, that's, nobody that's, knew. That's demonstration. Nobody knew. That's demonstration. Nobody so they knew. basically demonstrated to the world. Elio Gracie was 90 pounds old, his father, who brought Japanese jiu-jitsu to the you know country of Brazil. That's crazy. Yeah. And they call it Brazilian, but it's really Japanese Brazilian. It is. It, it is truly we're, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. Every gonna, martial artist. We're not going to tell anybody. At, at one point or another, every martial yeah. artist. You know, Japanese or, you know, Asian, of course. So the real the real winning uh, for you is A, get around the right kind of people and just really just go and decide that you're going to be the best at what you do. Correct. And if that were you to bottle down a formula, you would say that that is literally the secret to everything and then learn how to voice what it is that you want in a way that works for you. Correct. And share it with other people. I got a couple camera questions for you that I think would be really, really big because I, I, I got the context with what you've done with uh, mixed martial arts. How does somebody, because we have a lot of people that shoot videos and they, they shoot stuff at home. And people ask you video questions yeah, a lot? Yeah, okay. of course. What, what is, and this is not about state, like what are two or three things that you'd recommend to somebody to really, you're in someone's house, you're in someone's living room, they spent the time to look it up, respecting their time. How do you connect with that person? Like you're speaking to one person, like what are, what do you do to really make certain that you enter their soul, enter their heart? What are, you got any, any beliefs or concepts or triggers about that? For sure. I and you already said you one of them. What is it? You're speaking to one person at a time. You're not speaking to the masses. How do you, how do, you do that, though? Because I, I, I have to remind myself to do it. How do you okay, so turn that on? We've got three cameras yeah. right now, right? We'll, we'll even act yeah. it out right here. Yeah. We got, which, which one do you want? So, yeah, so let's, say, let's say we have one camera. Let's okay. say we have the, the, the camera. So okay. that would be... The, the two shot, if you will. Okay, yep. So let's say we're on a broadcast. Okay. So I'm going, you know, hi again, everybody. Welcome once again to Bellator MMA with Michael Burnoff and my partner. And I'm going to look at you. And I'm going to look at them. And I'm going to look at you. That is a person. That's not a camera. That is a singular person that I'm talking to. A million times over, perhaps. But each time I look there, each time I talk to you, 
That's a singular person. So if I were having, if the three of us were having a conversation, I wouldn't just talk to that guy. I wouldn't leave you out, nor would I just talk to you and leave them out. So first of all, you've got to recognize, and the most important point that I'm making here, Michael, is that right there is a singular person. And so if it's just you, you're talking to a singular person, one by one by one by one. And the biggest thing is that Billy Clement taught me years ago, and I've just been blessed to have that kind of personality, energy and enthusiasm. People don't hang on your every word. Now, in your seminars, they do so they a lot. Them. They do, though. They do so because they've made a conscious effort to be here. They want to learn. They've paid to be here. You have a message to make them better and more successful. I'm in the entertainment business. Sports is the toy department of life. I'm giving everybody a break. They're watching a fight, a hockey game, a football game, a basketball game. They're watching Michael Jeffrey Jordan, you know, win it at the buzzer again. Yeah. I'm, I'm the release from the real world. So energy and enthusiasm is really what's most important. Why is he so hyped up? This must be really great. Comes across the red line of the... They don't hang on my every word. Unless it becomes social media and then they... Then they, they, they look for it. the one word that yes, leave our time because back. unfortunately that's the culture in which we live in. Yeah. But that's what I would tell everybody. No Be real, there. talk to one person at a time, and believe in your message, and bring it with energy and enthusiasm. Same thing your coach told you at five years old. There's no question about it. And when you stop doing those things and you stop preparing, so I'm going to stop talking to you and I'm going to stop believing in you. And that's the worst. That's the worst when your boss doesn't get in your face every day. You're probably like, ah. But when a week goes by or another week goes by or another week goes by and they haven't really communicated with you, you should all of a sudden get a little antsy and go, I got okay, a little too much freedom. Here. Yeah, what, what's going on here? How come he's kind of letting me do what I'm doing? It's not always good. Once in a while it is, but it's not always good. Not always good at all. You want that leader in which you look up to to be invested in you. But you are the one who needs to earn that investment every single day. I had a kid, Mason Parker, loved the kid to death. Passionate, great little hockey player. Played for us with the Firebirds and then the Junior Sun Devils. And he was my project one year. And I swear he must have told me under his breath to fuck off a million times. Mace, great stick handler, great scorer, but stick was always up here, always up here. Mace, how are you gonna score from here? Stick on the ice, boom, boom, up here, up here, up here. Every practice, every shift, every drill, every time I'm in his face, in his face. Finally, big goal in the playoffs, stick on the ice, bam, finishes. Who's the first one to hug him the big? Me, on the bench. Who's the first kid that I get a huge thank you letter from at the end of that season? Just give him a hard time all the time. There's no question. But you know what? He said, Coach, you made me a better player. And I didn't like it at the time, but now my stick's always on the ice, and look at my production. The next year, it was a kid named Carson Mastin, who I still lives with my son in college, who I still consider son. Go, Love you, Carson. Love you, Coach. And, and that still gives me chills, because that's what I wanted to leave was for them to believe in themselves and be successful from here on out. Not just be successful as a 12-year-old. I mean, that's important because it builds your foundation, but that's not how you're gonna raise your kids because you're not gonna have, not many people are gonna have a kid at 12 years old. So that, my point is, is that the kids that I was on the, the hardest on that worked through it became better people and thus will be able to be better professionals, better parents, and overall, better human beings because 
they have taken the criticism and they've turned it into a positive. And it was no fun at the time. And there were times where I didn't want to get in their face anymore. But I cared about them and I loved them and I saw the potential. And so I did. There were other kids, and they'll go nameless, that I'd throw a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I'd get this, I'd get that, I'd get no reaction. They didn't want to change anything on the ice. Come sit by me, dude. It's fine. You know, we'll watch the players who want to be out there do it. So you, you still, to this day, you, you admire people that are the best at what they do. No question. You the, the, well, it, the best that they can be. Got it. The best that they can be. And, and I think when we go back to what I was saying earlier and about not pounding my chest, I just wanted to be the best that I could be. And if that became an elitist, if that became Olympic level, if, if that became All-American level, if that became that, whatever it was, I was going to get the most out of myself be it as a singer, be it as a high school hockey player, a college hockey player, a broadcaster just growing up in Sarasota, Florida, you know, on the air for the first time covering the Buccaneers, you know, going 2-14 and 14, or maybe 2-12 and 12 back in the day because there were only 14 games. That's how old we are. Um, but I was going to be the best that I could be. And so when I look all the way back at my coaching experience, I look at the kids like the Mason Parkers and the Carson Mastins of the world the kids that I really made a difference in their life. And I think there's a lot of kids that I did, but these are true examples of, you are my project this season. I'm going to break you down and I'm going to rebuild you. And you are going to hate the process, but you are going to love what comes out of it. You are going to love the new hockey player that develops and achieves at a level that you never believed in because I did the simplest thing. I get you to stop carrying your stick up here. Who scores up here? Like David once in a while, Sidney Crosby, but you score with your stick on the ice. And Mason did. I, I've, seen, I've seen this with so many people. I grew up the same way, and I grew up the same way, and I'm, I'm, I'm hard on people, and I give them a hard time, and I recognize most people still don't want to, I don't know if they don't want to be great, or they're not willing to, to take that coaching right. uh, as most part. So what do you feel, like we talked about this the other day at the office, what do you think stops people from being the greatest they can be, as we're winding this down? Like, what do you believe stops people from playing that other level that they can play in their life? Like, what, what do you think gets in their way? I would say the first thing is the inability to be open-minded enough to accept criticism. Okay. And it could very well be constructive criticism. Let's just say accept advice. Why does it have to be negative? You know, I'm, what if I'm not in your face but I'm saying, you need to do this, this, and that. You would be better off if you did it this way or that way or this way. But, oh, I know, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. That is what will limit people the most. Because I'm using my voice, but they're not listening. You, God gave you one of these and two of these, which I learned a long time oh, ago. It's totally right? true. And I also learned as I got older that you and I, all I did was get beat on, beat on, beat on. And it wasn't until many years after I was done playing that I realized that Coach Cushman truly loved me. Well, it was my senior year. It was 1982. My line mate, Jeff Browski, and I got a chance to go to the regional tryout camp for the Olympic team. We weren't gonna make it, but. Just even showing up. Dude, 1980, yeah. this is two years later. Like, I mean, and Colorado. Coach Cushnan, yeah, Coach, that's where we were yeah, trying to get. Yeah. Coach Cushnan rented the ice himself, got us out there to get us as prepared as we could be. We always knew he cared. And to this day, he'll always be coach. He's Crash, and his son is like my big brother. And I know that he loves me like his son, but it didn't feel like it you know, from age five to age 17 or 18. Never felt like it. But a bill too. It, there's no question about it. But times have changed. Now it's not you push people, you push people, you push people. You push them and you pull them. 
you've got to realize the personality of the person that you're trying to help better themselves. And Michael, as you know, every person's different. And now it's not as simple as this kid or this executive needs to be hugged, not shoved. It is today he needs to be hugged. Tomorrow he needs to be shoved. He might need to be shoved again. And then he needs to hug again. Well, that's why guys like Belichick, that's why guys like Phil Jackson are absolute geniuses. Phil Jackson is, what made him a better coach than Doug Collins? Really, what made him a better coach than Doug Collins? People skills. That's exactly right. His ability to Knowing how to push the buttons. Who made Shaq and Kobe get along? At least for moments at a time. Phil Jackson. Not many other people. It's fascinating. A lot of people don't see it that way. They mm-hmm. think it's your ability to do the sports, but it's really to understand the people. That's There's no the, question. That's the biggest, biggest piece of the puzzle. So, so what's what's next for you? What's what's the big thing? What do you got? What do you got rolling next? What's I know you just got back from uh, Israel and Ireland and Israel, Italy, Italy and Israel. That's it. Don't yeah. tell my wife you went to Italy because yeah. I'm going to be going soon. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, I'm off because like whisper just, about just, it. Yeah. Yeah. What's next is honestly, and we've talked about it. It's what you're doing. Yep. It's something I've always dreamed of. And I will tell you straight out, I have not used my voice properly to achieve that. That's the big thing we, we talked about. The whole idea I haven't voice. come out of that and done it. I, I th- it's interesting. We, we could, I realize that most entrepreneurs, they're so close to what they're great at and they think they need to create something else. But it's really just that. That's all it is. Right. Is you have been literally using your voice and being yourself for your entire life. And the ability to help other people do that in the world, in... In media, if, if people watch this video and they're watching the podcast or listening to listening to what we're doing here right now, and they get a chance to have any big takeaway, it's really those those lessons you learned from your your coach when you were a kid. No the biggest thing is like life lessons. Usually, it's one nugget. It's a chance to make the difference. So, so being you already are doing what I'm doing. You're just doing it like this. You're doing it one to many. Um, have you rented out an arena to speak to people? Have you sold seminars and events yet? Whether you choose to do that or not, you already are doing what, what I'm doing. And that's, you're doing it on a regular basis. You're inspiring. Right. You're getting people excited. But a lot of times, it's just literally organizing a very, very simple process. And we talk about this concept. We talked about it. I wish I could go back in time and bring everyone there. We talked about it at the... Most people, I believe, don't use their voice. And you have an incredible voice, but they don't use their voice. Not even their physical voice they have. They don't voice up for themselves. And I don't think they're in control of the one that's going on inside of their head. And like I said, you still got your coach jamming you in your brain to be your best, be your best, be your best at what you do. If you could say something to somebody, your future self or even yourself as a five-year-old, what would you tell your five-year-old self if you go back in time? Ask those in power to be honest with you more often to what you are giving them and what you are not giving them, and what is expected of you, and what you can do better. Would that have eliminated frustration? Oh, God, yeah. Would that have made life easier? For sure. So the Would big- it have guaranteed that the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows in my life would not have occurred? Absolutely not, because that's life. That's the path. That's what makes us stronger. But I would have had the strength and courage when I felt that something was off to approach it as opposed to work harder internally and hope that that showed them that I understood non-verbally. Thus, I did not use my voice. That's what I would do. So sharing with the world what's worked for you, sharing with the world what, what you already have done 
is really all anybody has to do. A lot of times we, we believe we need to be greater at something. We were talking at a meeting yesterday at the office and we said something to the effect of that people out there are always looking for, they're looking for validation and we don't want to disappoint people. So you are a master at what you do. You're a master broadcaster, you're a master with your voice, you're, you're a master at raising these two kids to the best of your ability. Does that make sense? But would you master helping someone else raise theirs? A lot of times we get insecurity around that. So we can be so confident in one medium but then we move over to this other thing, which is sort of like it, and we have a challenge there. And we, we create resistance around things that hold us back. So what are your steps to do that? Do you know, because I, I could step-by-step step explain to you how to do it. I've been doing this 20 years. Wow. So I, know, I know how to do it. One of them is yeah. believing that it was fate that we met. And it, you and I've talked about, I've been very honest about it, that, that I'm already looking you, looking towards you as a mentor to try to achieve these other things. I want to write a book. I, I can guarantee you that most of the people listening to us today yep have never seen this Goldie, like, cause that's nope. what people, they've never seen this, they've never heard this. One of the greatest compliments, going back to that Phil Baroni story with yep. Joe, that Joe has given me over the years is people don't realize how good, how great, Joe's words. Cause I, again, I'm not being boastful here. I'm, I'm, I'm saying these are the things I want to achieve. That doesn't mean that you have to think I'm great, anybody out there. But he said, the thing that makes Mike Goldberg so great is that you don't realize his greatness because shit's happening all over the place in the truck and things are changing, things are dropping, but you don't know it. It's Tom Brady, man. You don't yep. know the craziness. And I hate saying Tom Brady only because he went to Michigan. I'll give him his greatness. He's great. But he is great. Under um, pressure? There's no question. Yeah. But that is what I thrive for. Don't give me a format, don't give me a script. Change it and let's see how I handle it. And when people at home don't see the chaos, they don't understand what I'm handling behind the scenes. So thus they think they can put on a headset and do it. And that's what I want to share with people. Everything that's happened to me over time, Michael, has happened in the public eye. I don't want to defend it. I don't want to change it. Yeah, there's some things that I wish I would have handled differently. Undoubtedly, the NFL experience, yep. I definitely should have handled differently. I, I'm the one who cost myself that opportunity to continue at Fox. It was my mistake. It was my anger. It was my misuse of social media. It was me, 100%. You're defending yourself in battle. I was, but I, yeah. I didn't do it in a proper way. Or I should have just let them do what they were going to do, come back and have a better game the next week. My fault. But that's what I would like to share with people, that there's a lot more to it. And there's a lot more to me. And the things that I've done to be successful that people think, oh, you throw in a headset and you do it, are the same things that make the entrepreneurs and the executives and the CEOs successful. And well, that's what I would like to share with them. And, that, and that's what you need to share. And I will, it's interesting, we talk about fate and meeting and, and concepts of different things. My story is similar to yours. I remember being in an event, I saw a speaker speak once, I was dead broke. And um, I watched him speak and this guy made, like when you're dead broke and you watch a guy make $80,000 in a matter of an hour, Yeah and you're 19 years old, you're like, that is the coolest shit I've ever seen. I didn't realize he changed my life. Right. But I watched him do something like, like Jordan scores 65 points in a game. Like, like I'm like, you ever did. But you know what I'm saying? It was almost equivalent of to, of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. And I watched him do this and I'm like so blown away by this. I stood up and I, and I literally pointed to my three friends there and I said it publicly. And that, that's, that's where things start to change. We do things publicly. Privately is nice, but publicly is big. I pointed at him and go, that's what I'm gonna do the rest of my life. I had no idea how I was gonna do it. No different than you saying, Eighth I'm gonna grade. be an announcer. Eighth grade. And I had no idea how I was gonna do it. I didn't even know what it meant. And I forgot about it by the next morning. 
opportunity presented itself. I went to cancel a gym membership over in Elliott Road, over towards your house. Um, yeah. There was a, um, what was it, a Pure Fitness on either Elliott or Werner, Werner Road. Like I was living in Amatuki at the point yeah. at the time, and I drove to the gym, because the only way to cancel a gym membership is you had to go there, right? <laughs> and the guy asked, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And I looked him in the eyes, and I said, I'm, I'm a motivational speaker. I was not a motivational speaker. I was selling direct sales stuff. And he goes, really? You think uh, we, you could um, work with us? And I'm like, I don't know if you guys can afford me. I had no money at all, but I believed in myself. And right. I'm like, and I'm like, holy shit, what did I just say to the guy? I go, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, here's what I'll do. If you cancel my membership, I'll come back and speak for free next week if you like it. Uh, I'll speak for free, you can hire me. Went back, spoke the next week, supposed to be 10 minutes, I spoke for three hours. Wow. Guy thought it was amazing, cuts me a check, paid my rent. Do you know what I'm saying? I, that's how bad I was in a spot. But I realized it was the decision publicly to announce what I was gonna do in front of other people that held me accountable for doing it. So even yourself announcing this, which is go out to the world, what you're gonna be doing next, it's already happening. Yeah. It's already in the process. Now we just gotta put the action to play and, and make it a reality. I can show you exactly step by step what to do. You have all the fundamentals and they're a very simple set of rules. Be yourself, choose to be the best you possible. It's not my words, it's the words you already know inside of you. Absolutely. And really be the you at this, because as long as you're gonna try to be someone else, you're gonna lose, but you got so much great experience inside. I mean, who does not wanna read a book about your life story, what you've been through, what you've done, the mentors you've had? That's the biggest thing to really just deal with yourself is to recognize that you've already succeeded. And, and I don't do stories. it in an ego fashion. I do it to share with others, to have them enjoy it and to have them hopefully, more so than anything, do something in life that they love. And at the end of the day, I love my children, and I love what I do for a living. And that's pretty rare that people can say that. Have I had obstacles to overcome? Of course I have. But I do not dread. Get, I, it's a lot of travel, but I do not dread going to the airport. I don't sit in rush hour at 7.30 in the morning going to a job in which I hate. And I have a ton of respect for people who do that. A ton of respect in a way that I could never do it, man. How do you do it? I don't. I see people in traffic. I, I don't get I, it. I don't. I don't get it. I, but I also I don't overlook it. I respect the guy. It's like they always used to say, treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO. Yep. That's the real person, and that's who I try to be. And I would also say, when you look at public speaking, motivational speaking, my hero Bill Clement yep. has been successful at it for many, many years. And I met a woman, Nadine Fisher, who you probably know the name. I met yep. Nadine years ago. And I was on that path with Billy, and I've talked to Billy about it, but I have not used my voice properly to take the next step and do so because I haven't known how to do it. But you know what? That's my fault because I have your, what's your, what's your first talk going to be about? It's yeah, trademark, yeah, yeah. but to utilize my voice, probably. Yeah, yeah but who's the trademark by? Me. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you asked me about yeah, it. You asked me to come up with a phrase. Yeah, your voice. Yeah, my voice. So you what it. does your voice do? It defines you, it defines your character. It defines your storyline, yes. and it should motivate others to do the same. So one session where you talk for two seconds and you recognize that that's your answer, just be you just and be, be your voice. Yeah. So you're going to start doing talks, Energy get out the world, get a book done, yeah. and start sharing with the world how people need to be themselves. That's going to solve you. talk about our kids, our next generation, what they need to hear. They need to have a voice. Yeah. They need to be themselves, to speak up and share how they feel inside, because I believe that's you. And we have the school shootings and suicide and everything. It's bottling it up inside, man. They're scared to speak, and they're speaking as those uh, warriors with keyboards. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Instead of actually using their physical voice to get the actual words out yeah. in front of them. 
This is and that's where I'm so proud of my daughter. Is she's really developed into that young lady. And I think living in New York City has had a big effect on her. I, it, a lot of people talk about New York City and what it brings out of people. I think it's you walk, it, it is. It, it motivates me. It's You can be, again, you could have whatever job it is, but you walk out of your door in New York City and you feel an air. You feel special. You, you feel different than most if people If you can in the world. live in that city, yeah. even stay in a hotel in that city, <laughs> you're doing something right. Well, we're, my wife just got me tickets. We're going to go see uh, the Rangers play... Um, uh, I don't know. We're gonna see uh, right after Christmas time. We're gonna fly. And my wife always we get tickets. Yeah. To go see the games. But the people that you meet at the Garden, it's still it incredible. There's something about going we have into DJ. That I mean, we we have like the most famous people in the world. The lady from the Cooking Network with the blonde crazy hair sitting in front of us. We had um, we had uh, the lady uh, the guy from Boardwalk Empire sitting right in front of us as a see Stefan Matteau, which is like one of my heroes. Yeah. Matteau, 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 Matteau. Uh, they're in the arena as well. So New York is incredible. And she's out in New York. Is yeah, it? she's been. She's How been else are you gonna? How else are you going to get famous? New York or L.A.? That's it. And that's what she saw. And now I see my son, who's different than my daughter. I see him starting to come out of his shell. And it is really cool. And I have not forced it. Because you can't force it. Because when you force things, his personality is different than Kiara's. I've never had to say two words to Kiara. I really haven't. She's been self-motivated and self-driven like her father. With Cole, you've had to push and prod and be patient, which is difficult for me. But I've learned patience. And I've, under, I've learned to understand that the way to get Cole to where I hope he will be is much different than the way that I would do it with other people. Because I can't use Kiara, my daughter, as an example, Michael. Because, again, she's a very rare breed in which I haven't had you. You were the example, though. And this is the part that I not, the you thing, yeah. allowed yourself to be built correctly. Non-verbal. So then you become the influence to others. So. And, when, and when you get called out at 14, you know, at her age of 14, when you get called out by a 14-year-old telling you you're an asshole, and she grabs your Twitter password, and she deletes a bunch of this. idiot, you know, yeah. idiot-type tweets, you know, yeah. a, a moment of just pure assholeness in which I was displaying to the world by reacting F this, F that to these people who were just trying to get that reaction. For her to already recognize that, she was already better than me. And, and at the end of the day, again, you talked about great leaders. The greatest leaders are the ones whose egos are in check and they're able to surround themselves with other great leaders. Why does an offensive or a defensive coordinator in the NFL of every championship team end up a head coach the next year? Because and that, that head coach had his ego in check to put these great people in place who now have become head coaches. And they will do the same if they're smart. And if they're too singular and too much my word and only my word, ultimately they will fail. They will not have success because you need to surround yourself with other people who are great. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been uh, this has been a trip. I've been enjoying this, and it's crazy. I'm excited to extend the relationship and continue on. I'd love to help you out with uh, your mission. You're on. The world needs to hear it. We need to build more people that understand what you've been through, what they need to go through to get where they want to go. Because the path is simple uh, to get get there. It's just you have to be willing to understand it. Right. You got to wait a shortcut for a lot of people. Um, the experience, and by just teaching people how to be coachable like you were, and teaching people to understand that we're going to do this the hard way, or the easy hard way. And the easy hardware is still the hard way. Sure. And it's going to take some time. By educating people how to do that, we got a chance to really educate the world and impact people in a, in a major, major way. So uh, final, final thoughts is this. Um, big question for you is, who do you, um, who do you see yourself being 25 years from now, 30 years from now? I would 
here's, here's my deal. Doing 225 UFCs, calling a Stanley Cup championship, being there when, you know, Pax hit the shot in Phoenix in 93 yeah. and beat Charles and the boys. Having Michael Jordan say to me, and I quote, when I came back and he came back from baseball and I was in the locker room, I was with ESPN. He said, Goldie, what are you doing now? I said, I'm doing play-by-play -play for ESPN. And Michael Jordan looked at me and said, that's awesome. I always knew you were too good for that sideline shit. I was like, what? In that sideline shit, I would, keep, I would keep that oh. playing in my head I mean, over and over again. There's no yeah. question that it was recognized by that. I want to pass down those beliefs. There's a kid named Weston DeWitt who's in the minor leagues of hockey right now and has looked to me, and I have been honest with him, went to the Cronkite School every step along the way, and he's starting to enjoy success as a young broadcaster and get that love and passion that I had back then. And that gives me more satisfaction than everything that I've achieved. And so that's where I see myself in the next decade or two decades. That's amazing. Is having that ability to share the bigger picture. Not that it's cool to be on TV, that it's really cool to wake up in the morning and be excited about your path in life and understand that you really can do something that you love if you use your voice, you have the motivation, and you're willing to put in the time and work. And that's the dream of every entrepreneur, that's the dream of everything we do, that's the dream, dream of, of life. And you're living it. And you have the dream, you have the dream. I mean, that Michael Jordan thing, that's, I mean. It's crazy. You have a crazy life. Yeah. We'll pick this up after. We'll have to do another one of these in the future. Once that book comes out, once your seminars come out, we'll definitely be promoting that and helping you out. So appreciate you, my Michael, man. Thank you. Coming out, this was this was a trip. I'm still going to play a game of hockey, though. I'm gonna, oh, I'm we're gonna, doing yeah, You beat me last time? I did. What was the score? I got ring. Um, uh, I think it was 4-3. Four, four, yeah, I'm going to beat you this time. I'm going right. to decide in advance. You're not going to let me win? Well, maybe you will. Do you breathe in or out when you play? Think about that while you're playing. Well, now I okay. breathe improperly. Yeah, because because we learned how to breathe in the middle force. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they, they taught us. Now my belly comes out when I inhale. You they, know? They, they, they didn't know that until. I was all screwed. You and I are all screwed up. Oh, I, dude, I tell people all the time. Me? I've been breathing incorrectly my my entire life. So, uh, so anyways, <laughs> close close out uh, close out today. Uh, you know, appreciate you being out for the Communicate Great Show and uh, Mike. Always a pleasure and super excited to spend more time. Really glad to get to know each other. So the key to everything in life is get around. Great people. You'll find even more great people when you're around great people. Have the belief systems of a winner. And uh, you want more training? Make sure to click the link. And I'm excited to uh, share this information with you. So thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, always remember you get what you want through becoming a person of influence. Well, thanks for joining us for the Average Suck Show. And the big question people ask is like, Michael, what is next? And the answer is simple get Average Sucks my brand new book and the reason why I want you to have this is if there's things you want in your life and for some reason you've said to yourself why am I holding back why am I not getting what I want I know I'm capable of more this book answers all of that and more so go to averagesucks.com check out all the other stuff on the page got a bunch of bonuses for you get the book read the book and most importantly follow the instructions they're very simple you'll finish this little book in, uh, in a couple hours real easy to read and it's going to start showing you how to get more of what you want in this world so averagesucks.com and catch us on the next Average Sucks Show.